You're tuned into the Chug LLP's podcast. We are a full-service legal, immigration, and tax firm with a global outlook. We partner with businesses to deliver innovative, customized solutions to their most pressing challenges. Join us as we tackle some pertinent issues. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thursday's Live with Chug. I'm your host, Sasha Preston-Suny. Many more employment-based visas are available in fiscal year 2022. This is exciting news. However, backlogs continue to be an issue in delaying the issuance of green cards. Today, I'm excited to welcome our guest, partner and attorney Navdeep Mayamber onto the show. Navdeep is going to answer your most pressing questions related to interfiling, agency delays at USCIS, and more. So let's get started, Navdeep. Thank you. So, hi, I'm Navdeep Myanmar. I am based here in Chukwutsa Santa Clara office. I have been doing immigration for almost 19 years, mainly focusing on business immigration. We work corporate clients and help with their non-immigrant visas and green cards. And that's what we do. And we love helping our clients. Awesome. Thank you. It's great to have you on the show. So before we begin, I'd like to remind you, this conversation is for informational purposes only, and it does not create an attorney-client relationship. Please send us your questions to info at chug.com. You can also reach Navdeep directly at navdeep.mayamber at chug.com. For starters, Navdeep, could you give us an overview of the employment-based visa landscape for fiscal year 2022? Thanks, Asha. So the overall employment-based annual limit for immigrant visas in fiscal year 2022 is approximately twice as high as usual, primarily due to consular closures abroad during COVID-19 pandemic, which led to almost 140,000 family-sponsored visas number going unused during the fiscal year of 2021. So based on this, because of such a high number of visas available, USCIS is trying their best and trying to ensure that uh, they are able to use as many available visas possible in fiscal year 2022. The fiscal year 2022 ends on September 30th, 2022. And then October 1st is when the next fiscal year starts. Great, thank you. Now, I know certain individuals, especially Indian nationals, have downgraded their employment-based green cards from an EB-2 to an EB-3 visa because the priority date for an EB-3 visa went quickly in 2020. Could you explain what the process entails to downgrade from an EB-2 to an EB-3 green card? So the downgrade was, this was the term which really became common in 2020 because there were numbers available. And let's first go back a little bit that how the downgrade works, right? So you have a perm approved and then you have I-140, which is under EB-2 classification. And because the number for the EB-2 were not available. There were more number available, visa number available for EB-3. So a lot of our clients, uh, they wanted to downgrade means from EB-2, they wanted to go to EB-3 classification. And then in order to do that, basically we had to go file another I-140 for them based on the previous I-140 EB-2 approval they had. And once we chose the option of EB-3 downgrade, that's how the EB-3 downgrade works. And because of this EB-3 downgrade, a lot of our clients were able to even file adjustment of status, I-485 concurrently, because the visa numbers were available for EB-3 classification. So all of those EB-2 were converted to EB-3 by downgrading. Great, thank you. So is an EB-2 approval still valid if a downgrade is filed? 
So it depends how the downgrade was filed. If the downgrade was filed by amending your EB2 I-140 approval, then that EB2 got amended to EB3 downgrade. So would not be valid. But how we did is that you don't really need to amend the EB2 I-140. You could just file another I-140 as a new I-140, not amend your EB2 I-140. And that way, we are able to still use those EB2 I-140 approvals. So we are actually a lot of our clients who we did downgrades. And now they're able to go back to EB2. And we are filing and helping them with the EB2 I-140s because those valid approvals are still valid. Great. Thank you. So how does the request process work to transfer the underlying basis of your green card? So this uh, transferring the underlying basis is also called interfiling. How does this work is that we basically write a letter to USCIS requesting on behalf of our clients that they have one I-140 approved. They actually two I-140s, but the second one is EB2 I-140. And we would like to move their pending I-485, which was filed based on the downgrade I-140 to EB2 I-140, which is still valid. And in order to do that, USC has created the special centralized location for the transfer of these bases. We may submit our requests and completed Supplement J to a Montclair, California address, which is specially dedicated to these interfiling requests. USC also has said that please only send transfer requests accompanied by Supplement J to this address, and we should not send any other forms or documents or evidence to this address. So this address is primarily just for interfiling requests and transfer of underlying bases. No other documents should be sent to this address. And they have special dedicated staff who is uh, working on this uh, request and trying to move as fast as they can. Okay, great. So for those that have submitted an employment-based transfer request, but it's not accompanied by a supplement J, what is the process for that? First, if you are submitting one, I would say submit with Supplement J. You do need Supplement J. But in case you are submitting without Supplement J, then you should not send it to Montclair address. Then you can send it to where USA's office where your 45 is pending. But be just prepared that you may get an RFE to submit a Supplement J later. Great. So how exactly does USCIS act what do they do after they receive the transfer request? So all those requests which we are filing, interfiling with Supplement J's to the Montclair address, California, they have a proper procedure for that. The USC is scanning all those documents which we are mailing to them, our letters, our Supplement J forms, and other supporting documents which they will go with them. Then they're uploading the Supplement J information into their system online and generating a receipt notice. And then once that receipt notice is generated, this California address is notifying the office or service center where the 485 is standing. And then they're giving them access to the scan the documents in their electronic system. So basically that's how it is working. The Montclair address is primarily uploading and generating the receipts. And then they're informing the offices or service centers where the 485s are pending to that they can start working because those num visa numbers are available and they can act on those. Great. So for clients that did not file a medical form I-693 with their pending form I-485, should they send one in now or wait for USCIS to request it? This is a very common question which we get from our clients. 
So as per USAS, they are saying that applicants with pending adjustment of status applications should not send an unsolicited form I-693 medical to them. Because uh, such form 693 would be difficult to match up with the related adjustment of status applications in a timely and efficient manner, which could further actually delay. They do not have enough staff to match it and get them transferred to the right files. So they really worry that this is just going to further delay the file adjudication and matching up with the applications where they're pending. So what USCIS is actually doing, uh, that is they are proactively identifying employment-based adjustment of status applications who have visa available, but they lack a valid form I-693, and they are directly contacting applicants to request that form. We do actually, we have got some RFEs for those cases, and where they do not submit medical forms, and US is asking us to submit. So they, just to be clear, US does not want you to start mailing your medical forms to this address. So US also has, uh, they like that if you previously did not file your medical form, and you know that your visa number is available, what you can do is uh, make appointment with the civil surgeon and uh, get your medical done and have it on hand. So that when the RFE comes, you will not need to go make appointments and take extra time to send it to them. So this is one thing the USA doesn't mind you doing is that just make your appointment if you know you did not send your medical form and have a medical form ready for them. Thank you for that. So if a client receives a notice of the transfer of their form I-485 to another office, does this signal that their case is active and moving toward adjudication? Generally, yes, it's a good sign. So USCIS is actively transferring applications with approved immigrant visa petitions and available visa from service centers to the field offices because they are trying to move them fast, right? Earlier, there was delay because of the COVID and shortage of staff. But right now, we do get a lot of notifications that files are being transferred around, which sometimes our clients do get worried because of that. But I would just say you don't need to worry about it. This just means it's going to be helpful for you that they already proactively moved your file to the local office and or the offices which had the availability to work on your files. So it's a good sign. Nothing to worry about. Great. That's really good to know. So just a quick reminder that this conversation is for informational purposes only and it does not create an attorney-client relationship. So my next question is, if the EB3 downgrade petition and the underlying adjustment of status application has not been adjudicated, will this prevent... Um, a client from transferring the underlying basis to a different petition? No, not at all. We have a lot of those cases where we still have I-140 is not adjudicated, the downgraded one. We are still able to go and transfer into filing requests without any problem. There's no such requirement that their uh, EB3 I-140 had to be approved. That's a very separate process. It has no relationship with your EB2 I-140 approval. And or 485, you can basically move your 485, even if your I-140 EB3 is not approved and have it uh, linked to your EB2 I-140 if still available. Great. So do you have an estimate of how many family-sponsored or employment-based immigrant visas that USCIS and Department of State will use during fiscal year 2022? So Department of State currently estimates that fiscal year 2022 Employment-based annual limit will be approximately 280,000. This is double the typical annual total because basically due to unused family-based visa numbers from fiscal year 2021 falling across to the current fiscal year. As of uh, mid-June 2022, 
USCIS and Department of State have used significantly more visa than at the same point in fiscal year 2021, with USCIS alone using more than twice as many visa on a weekly basis than it was at this point in fiscal year 2021. So we have never really seen such a huge number. And this is all because of those uh, since 2020, all the COVID situation, consulates being closed and the family number being not used. I guess that's exciting that so many green cards are available for this fiscal year. What measures has USCIS taken during fiscal year 2022 to use all of these available employment-based visas? So USCIS has taken a couple of measures. They are trying their best. Some people still feel, you know, their files are not being moved, but they are trying. One is that they are waiving interviews, case basis. We are getting uh, 485 approvals for some of our clients without interviews. So they're just doing it, not everyone, but they, they're going case by case. The whole family maybe waive the interviews. We have gotten that. They're trying to do that. That will help to move it faster. So they don't have to wait for interviews. They can get the files cleaned. Then they're also prioritizing the immigrant visa petitions based on like, if they see that the number is available, they're trying to get those I-140 approval fast. Then they're also redistributing employment-based adjustment of status workloads between offices. We seek files being moved around from one service center to other service center or to local offices. Then we also know that they have established a proper mailing address interfiling in Montclair, California, only for interfiling requests. Before this address was established, we were just sending those interfiling requests where the 45 were pending. And we were not sure that those were really being worked on. But we really appreciate that U.S. has established this one address. You know, we know at least now our requests will be looked upon and acted upon fast. Then the other one, they are proactively looking into these applications which lag a valid I-693 medical form. And they are trying to send a request for RFEs so that they can have those medical forms in file in time to approve those green cards. Great. Thank you. Is it possible to expedite your interfile request? It is uh, hot. I know we, our clients are concerned that they have been waiting for maybe two, three months after the sending the interfile request and the U.S. is not acting upon them. You have to understand that USA has so many files, right? And once that request is scanned and uploaded in the system, they are sending, informing the local office or service center where the 45 is being adjudicated. And then it is all up to that officer who has the file. They're going to act upon it, but they may also have a lot of files for those dates. And like, it's not just one file they're acting upon, right? So and now coming to the expedited request, we tried sending actually and didn't really. U.S. is send it back. They said we're not accepting any expedited requests for 485s at this time. Okay, well, that's good to know. So for those that file their interfiling request, will the online case status be updated after the request is submitted? So, you know, once we file the interfile request, our clients get a receipt notice, which ones that is basically only when we submit a supplement J, okay? The receipt notice is for the supplement J, which is issued by the special address in California. But unfortunately, the associated I-45 will not reflect this change when you check your case status online. Because uh, USCIS says that they don't have the resources, they don't have the bandwidth to go update each 485 file online and due to time limitations and resources. So they say, do not get worried if you not do not see that your I-485 status does not show that. 
or we have received a supplement J or does not show that any work is being done on it. So just be clear that there will be no status change in your, in your 485. You will just still get the supplement J receipt, but the status for I-485 will be updated only if they issue an RFE or they take any other action on it. Okay, that's really helpful to know. Thank you for that. Why do I still see a message in case status online that says USCIS has temporarily paused work on my application because an immigrant visa number is not available to me, even though I have already requested that USCIS transfer the underlying basis of my application to a petition in a category where a visa is available? Is this an error and is USCIS still processing my application? So if you have submitted a valid transfer of underlying basis request, then this case status online message does not mean that USCIS has passed work on your application. So USCIS systems do not currently have the capability to automatically update the receipt of a transfer of underlying basis request or supplement J at this time. The messages for the online status will be updated only after USCIS takes some other action on your adjustment of status application. Uh, for example, issuing a request for evidence, transferring the application between offices, or approving the application. So any such application process happens, then only they may do it. Otherwise, you will not see any update. But do not worry if it says that the action is passed. It's nothing to worry about. Good. Thank you for that. So we have another question. I have already filed an interfile request, but no action has been taken by USCIS. Can I mail a second request? This is actually a common scenario these days. We do get a lot of our clients who worry that maybe they should send another request. So USCS does not want you to send a second request because you may create further issues. If you do that, if you've already filed your supplement J to the California address, and if you send us another request, then it may just issue a second receipt for your supplement J, right? It may just complicate the situation because once the mail goes in the mail room, they may just issue a receipt without even checking in the system that this person already has a supplement J receipt or they we already received another supplement J for them. So now what may happen is that there may be two supplement J receipts for this person when they send a second request. And this may just create further issues when 45 will be processed because then there will be two supplement J's, different receipt numbers. So it's not recommended as per USCS, they do not want another request coming to them. If you already filed it, they say just please wait for it. They are doing their best to work on it. It is a question how soon it will be done, but just wait. Great, thank you. So we received another question. I'm not exactly sure what this person is referring to, but maybe Navdeep would be able to have some insight into that. They said, please let me know which one would arrive first. So if you're talking about uh, the receipt notice, just thinking for the supplement J, right? It depends when the receipt comes for the supplement J. For some clients, we get soon. For some clients, we are still waiting for the supplement J receipts. But it should be coming. It should not be. If you haven't got it, just uh, I would say some clients we haven't even received for two months right now. 60 days we have been waiting for them. We did try to follow off with USES, but they just say that we are taking time. There's a delay in issuing such receipts. So there's nothing to worry. You should just wait for your receipt. Great. Thank you. So that brings us to the end of our conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today. To stay up to date, please subscribe to and like our YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook pages. If you have any questions or suggestions, please feel free to write us at info at Until next time, please stay safe. Take care. Thank you. 
Thanks for tuning in. For more information about our work, please visit our websites at www.chuk.com for legal and immigration and www.chuk.net for tax. Be sure to subscribe to get regular business insights from the Chuk LLP team. 